Welcome to a full after-hours show. Ron Rappaport, one of the best uh, writers this town has ever known, uh, since leaving the Sun-Times some years ago to write for the L.A. Daily News, he has turned out a remarkable series of incredibly readable, entertaining, and enlightening books. The latest is titled Frank Chances Diamond, the baseball journalism of Ring Lardner. He edited this book, and he is on the phone from, uh, I'm assuming, a very warm but maybe wet West Coast. Ron, how are you? I'm good, Rick, and it's wet more than warm at the moment. The rain is really coming down. Maybe you've heard about our little... Yes, everybody hears about California weather. Let me ask you before, you're going to be on for 45 minutes today, so I, I want to know what, what before we get into Ring Lardner, uh, what what drew you to sports, Ron Rappaport? Well, it's funny, uh, Rick, uh, the, the story I have is I started writing for my high school paper and my college paper sports. I knew what I wanted to be when I was 14 years old, wow. and I never grew up. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Wow. I've, never re- I've never really looked back, and it's, it's been a great ride, a great ride. Well, no kidding. You and, and my next guest, I'm going to keep you for a few minutes later on in the show to just cross-talk with him, Rick Tellender. Uh, he has a book, too. But you, you have had a – you have been a sort of steady stream of books have come out of you since you uh, moved to the coast. You've written about Bobby Jones. You've written about Ernie Banks. You've written about uh, – Tom Dreesen and uh, and uh, and his buddy Tim, yeah. Ring Lardner really has grabbed you, hasn't it? And I want people to know. I think the name you write in the book, Ron Rappaport. Uh, Lardner's ubiquity in print made him one of the most famous people in the United States, on a par with Calvin Coolidge, Charles Lindbergh, and Babe Ruth. I think because Ring Lardner wrote a lot for newspapers. He also wrote a lot of books. That name is not, I think, if I went out on the street and said, hey, uh, first person I met, who's Ring Lardner? They wouldn't know, would they? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, my brother, by the way, just wrote a book about Patty Hearst. <laughs> it's the same thing he's finding. Patty who? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have that book at home. Roger, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of the kidnapping today. But no, it's true. Rick was uh, Rick. Ring was very much a man of his time. The thing about it, though, is that we remember him as the author of Gullible's Travels, You Know Me Al, Champion, Alibi Ike, The Great Short Stories, whereas the truth is that he really had parallel careers. He was a journalist all his life. Sure. Now, after he left Chicago, he moved to Great Lake Long Island and wrote a weekly column for the Bell Syndicate that was in about close to 100 papers and read by eight or nine million people. Wow. So that's what made him so famous, plus the fact that his caricature was out there. <laughs> For instance, one year, the Indianapolis Star said, ran a caricature of Ring and said that he was announcing that he was going to uh, cover the World Series for them. But all they ran was a caricature, and they said, no need to introduce this guy. That's amazing. That's he, he was like he was. T- Twitter, but more famous before there was even Twitter to make him famous. He w- <laughs> he was also, you know, what occurs to me in this book was this book's a real revelation. It's the second book you've done 
about devoted to Ring Lardner. And one of the fascinating things, which goes to uh, sort of the wicked history of uh, the idiocy of some Tribune editors, when he was writing for the Tribune, he was uh, he he was the person who really gave life to in the wake of the news. That was a relatively new column at the time. One of the editors said, hey, maybe you'd like to write a something kind of feature story for the paper. He, of course, said yes. He, of course, did that. And this, uh, maybe he's not nameless, and if you want to, you can name him. This idiot editor said, oh, no, there's uh, bad words and spelling and bad things here. We're not going to run this. That became the foundation of You Know Me, Al, uh, a monstrous bestseller uh, does that follow in the in the tradition of idiot editors that you've known over the years? Pretty too? Much, yeah. yeah. What he wanted was a longer story. I think I think the Tribune feature section or maybe a magazine at mm-hmm. that time something different from the kind of coverage we was doing even in the uh, uh, in, even in the column, Waking the News column. So he, he sent him this column, this story based on a kind of vain, silly. A very good baseball player named Jack Keith. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, he turned it down vernacular and very strange, and you talk about odd things here. So Ring uh, licked his wound, sent it off to the Saturday Evening Post, where they published it immediately and it became a sensation. And people, readers around the country, wanted more. And that, be- that became the stories collected in You Know Me Out. Well, and I think about it is, it, one of the things about it is, is that. Give me, Ron Rappaport, a a sense of, uh, which you do in the book, but give the listeners a sense of what was the sports writing, newspaper sports writing world like at the time Lardner joined it? And why did he distinguish himself so uh, boldly? Well, one of the things I do in the book is try to give a, show the range of what he wrote. Yeah. Early in his days covering the Cubs, and these were the takers to Evers to Chant Cubs. <laughs> right, you know, right. They were very, you know, like, this is the early 1913, 1914, really good team. And he was writing game stories, hits, runs, and errors, and, and which was the which was the tradition then back in an era where there wasn't even any radio. Right. And if you wanted to, so you had to write everything. And we were, even then distinguished himself. You could see that he was made for better things. He was writing wonderful articles about Christy Matthewson and uh, some of the Cub players that, that, that read very well today. You could see that he was going on to other things. Well, now they give him the column, the Lincoln's column, and all bets are off. He's now writing poetry. He's using vernacular. Exactly. He's writing letters back to his bosses. He's writing, sending up wartime propaganda, all in the guise of baseball coverage. And it really, in a way, nobody's ever done anything like that. You know, one of the things, even though, you know, just before you won, uh, there started in, I think, about 2002, a a organization here called the Ring Lardner Award for Excellence in Sports Journalism, and you were a recipient just before your first Ring Lardner book came out. What was it, Ron Rappaport, that that drew you? Did you were you trying to give him his due? Did you realize? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! This guy should be more famous. This guy. What is it that drew you to that first book, and then now this book? Well, I guess there was there. Yeah, the other book was was longer. It was it was this writing on not only baseball and, sure. and uh, boxing, which he loved to cover, but also politics and his family and life on Long Island. 
and all the rest of it. This one I, I covered just the baseball. But the answer to the question is, is that I found myself reading an article about the Ringlarger Centennial mm-hmm. in the New York Times. It was many years before I was reading the article. And his grandson, James, just sort of threw away uh, the, 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 the idea that his journalism had never been collected, unlike his I know. fiction, which has been collected many times. And I kind of thought, that, well, that's odd. And I called James up, and uh, his, his sister Susan, Darling's <laughs> granddaughter, and, and I said, would you mind if I collected, tried to collect this stuff? They said, no, no, we'd like you to do that. So I found myself reading 100-year-old newspapers. Wow. Um, Joliet uh, and uh, Boise and uh, Omaha and all the cities that Rink's columns had appeared in. And it was really kind of a, uh, a treasure hunt after that, finding articles, Rick, that I don't think had been read since the day they'd been published. Oh, my God. More. What a so thrill. It was really fun. What a that. thrill for you. Get into that world. What a real. right. I yeah. come back for more now. <laughs> no one in the world, no one in the world would blame you, Ron. Ron Rappaport is here all the way till a quarter to the hour. He's in California. We will talk uh, more about this. He will explain the title to you too, which is a fascinating, great story. The title is Frank Chance's Diamond: The Baseball Journalism of Ring Lardner. We'll be back with the editor and author. Ron Rappaport in a couple minutes. Ron Rappaport can uh, deservedly have the title of the Keeper of the Flame of Ring Lardner. There is no one I can think of, and not even in Mr. Lardner's uh, extended family, which is now grandkids and great-grandkids, who is more devoted to keeping this remarkable, remarkable journalist alive. Ron, you also do a wonderful job. Uh, the collection is fabulous to read. Uh but you also do a wonderful job of of putting him in his place, and I, I love, and it's it's not apocryphal at all. There, there was a young kid growing up in the western suburbs of Chicago when Lardner was writing for the Tribune, who who was so uh, uh, <laughs> uh, enamored of this guy that he decided to call himself. Ring Lardner Jr. when he wrote about uh, sports for the Oak Park River Forest High School paper. Who was that guy? Well, there's a fellow named Ernest Hemingway He was obviously a teenager when sure. Lardner was, in his, was writing in Chicago. And he just loved him, and so he would sign his articles. Um, uh, Ring Lardner Jr. also, Rick, talking about fans of Lardner. Sure. Across the city, there was a, there was a, a writer who didn't know you know, uh, the polo grounds from Buckingham Palace. Her name was Virginia Woolf. And she was a fan of Lardner. I know. Said, that He's a remarkable writer, even though the language he uses isn't quite English. I know. It's just the, the whole notion that this man was, in his time, as famous as, uh, you know, Charles Lindbergh and Babe Ruth. That's pretty, that is pretty rarefied company. As you read uh, the uh, voluminous uh, gathering of Lardner's material... What did you think of him, Ron Rappaport, as a writer, and more specifically, as a sports writer, which has been your calling most of your career? Well, as a, as a writer, he was he was certainly uh, all over the place, writing this, this astonishing fiction, which is still in public in, in print. I once saw John Lithgow, the great actor, act out haircut, oh. probably his most anthologized story on the stage. And that was something to see. Oh, I'm sure. Um, he, 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 he just seemed to be doing everything. Jonathan Yardley, the Pulitzer Prize winning critic who wrote his biography, 
said the fact that Ray's journalism, all the time he was writing his stories, the fact that it remains such high quality has to be one of the great accomplishments in all of American journalism. Yeah, I... And, I, and I saw that. I saw that. I could see that he kept doing different things. He was always looking at a different way to get at get at stories, and he just his imagination was just just so uh, fertile. He was just keeping trying to do. What am I going to do today that's different from what I did yesterday? And that's what made collecting these um, these articles so interesting, so much fun to me, so interesting. Did he when you were when you were a young uh, sports writer? Did was he a, a shadow on your work or not really? I don't think I ever read it much. Of course, Interesting. I knew his name. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I read it much until until later. I, I'm sure I read the stories. Oh, of course, we all did. Yeah, yeah. I read. You know Al. You know me, Al. I read Haircut. I you know read Champion. And I saw the movie with Kirk Douglas. All of that. So he was a presence. But the idea, what interested me so much is that he was also a journalist his entire life. Rick, he started writing for the South Bend Tribune when he was still a teenager. And his final journalism when he died, and before he died at the age of 42, he was writing radio criticism for The New Yorker. Wow. He might have been the first media critic in American journalism. He was writing about Jack Benny, things like that. And it was fun to read that. I mean... He just kept doing, kept writing and writing and writing. And you wonder where he got the time. I mean, he had four kids. He was a member of the Algonquin uh, Round, round table, table. And he yeah, drank and smoked. And, uh, well, and, he called and, himself a two-bottle man. Whew. And by that, he meant two bottles a day. Yeah. He might have yeah. accounted for the fact that he died so young. But he was just, he just never seemed to stop. It was amazing to me. Well, he was, you know, he was born uh, in Niles, Michigan, to some to a family that was fairly well to do. He was, I think, if memory serves, the last of nine children, and he he had a series of of jobs at which he wasn't very successful until he turned to sports writing. What do you think drew him, Ron Rappaport, to the world of sports? Well, the story goes that uh, an editor had come to town looking for his brother who had established himself as a writer. And the brother was out of town, and, and Ring said, how about me? And the guy, and he said, well, have you ever written before? And, and he said, I kind of stretched the truth. <laughs> told him that I had. It turned out, well, it, it, he went to South Bend, and he wrote not just sports. They had him writing everything. Theater, breaking news. Mm. Uh, uh, every, and it was really a great education for a young journalist. Yeah, He'd yeah. done that for a couple of years. But I think what drew him to sports is he realized that would get into Chicago more quickly. Yeah. And he became friends with Hugh Fullerton, the great Chicago sports writer. And Fullerton took a shine to him and got him not one job in the next few years, but two, including the job that took at the Tribune where Fullerton himself was working. I just think Ring was attracted to the people, the, the players who we soon started writing in their names, writing stories in their names, writing dialogue. And they loved it. The, the Cubs of that era had some fabulous characters oh. who loved the fact that we sort of took over their voices and made them into characters themselves. That's not something that would happen today very often. I no, but the story of the story of his getting in the business is sort of sort of reminds me of the of the, uh, the way Mike Royko got in the business of kind of bluffing his way onto a onto a newspaper by saying he had been on a newspaper. I, I love that. You know, one of the one of the joys, one of the real joys of uh, your latest book, Frank Chance's Diamond: The Baseball Journalism of Ring Lardner, 
is you've introduced me and the book introduces me and Ring Lardner introduces me to a bunch of players I've never, ever heard of. You know, I never heard of Peaches Graham. I never heard of Heine Zimmerman. That must have been so enjoyable for you because this is a real cast of characters, isn't it? No, they really are Frank Sheck, uh, Jimmy Sheckard, Frank Schulte. They, had, they all had nicknames. They all, they all uh, Ring wrote, wrote about them, and I think they gave him stories that Ring embellished. They liked being around him. Yeah. They liked being around them, and that was an era when the ball players, of course, they traveled by train. Totally ex- accessible. Really yeah. got to know each other. And they liked his sense of humor. He liked theirs. And pretty soon he was writing them. Um, he was writing all kinds of things about them. my favorite stories. When he, this this running gag he had with Heine Zimmerman, who we were talking about, great mm-hmm. third baseman for the Cubs, but he had terrible temper. Was always getting thrown out of games. <laughs> so Ring pretended that somebody was betting him a hundred dollars to stay in the game, to get, not to get thrown out. And was a beautiful part of it is that baseball bought into it. Bill Clem, the famous umpire, tore a hundred dollar bill in half before the game started in the ceremony. And then Ring starts writing, um, you know, using Tennyson as his views. Half a C, half a C, half a C, hundred. Cut from the other half, half a big hundred. Forward the cover game. I mean, who could do stuff like that? <laughs> no, no. Two weeks later, he, yeah, you know, get started, it. Nobody could. Yeah, nobody could. But a poem called Heine Soliloquy. To see or not to see, that is the question. Whether it's just an over for the dough to suffer mistakes and errors about about ladies umpires. <laughs> Ron, before we before we take a break, Ron, before we take a break for news, uh, tell the listeners uh, the the meaning of the title: Frank Chance's Diamond at the Baseball Journalism of Rig Lardner. What's the reference? When Ring moved to Great Neck, Long Island, he fell in with another resident of that uh, great city, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and they became bosom buddies. They hang out together. They drank together. Uh, Fitzgerald went to Maxwell Perkins, the great editor, and said, you've got to start collecting Ring stories that have never been collected. And Ring, who had never kept copies, and didn't know where they'd been. Per- Perkins had to go through a treasure hunt to the various magazines, but finally he did it. I mean, he was, he, he was really... And Ring and his wife adored Zelda. So the four of them hung out together. They were pals. All right, now Ring dies. And Fitzgerald writes a very affectionate piece yeah. that ends quite surprisingly quite nasty. Yeah. During these years when most men have promised to achieve an adult education, if only in the school of war, Ring moves into company a few dozen illiterates playing a boy's game. A boy's game with no more possibilities in it than a boy could master a game branded by walls, which kept out novelty or danger, change or adventure. However deeply Ring might cut into it, his cake had the diameter of Frank Chance's diamond. Wow, that's just well, a great... as I say that's mean... And it's, you know, it's very well written. Yeah, it's jealous, too, a little bit. It's a little jealous, yeah, too. it's kind of true. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. Been a, there's been a debate over the years about whether Ring, by not attempting to write the great American novel, you know, pushed his own status in the, in the yeah. American canon down a little bit. Because Ring didn't care. Well, he he but the he other thing is, yeah, I get it. I get it, and I appreciate that from him. we got to take a break, but we'll come back and uh, talk some more with uh, Ron Rappaport, whose book, Frank Chance's Diamond, the baseball journalism, Brig Lardner, is a, a joyful, joyful and enlightening 
Entertainment. We'll be right. We'll be back. Uh, it is difficult for me to describe without being completely hyperbolic how enjoyable this uh, latest book by Ron Rappaport is. Frank Chance's Diamond, the Baseball Journalism of Ring Lardner. Ring Lardner is wildly entertaining. It does not matter if you like sports or not. His his worldview, uh, focused on the world of sports, is uh, is compelling and always always entertaining. And it's nicely embellished by by Ron's uh, vast knowledge of Ring Lardner. You wrote a magnificent book about uh, someone we all know and who will sort of be immortal here. Uh, God, let's play to the legend of Mr. Cub, the life of Ernie Banks. What, what what level of joy was that for you to do, Ron? It was it was it was really great. You know, I think I told you once that it started as a book with the two of us, as told to was I was going to be the co-author. Yeah. And Ernie was really interested, except when he wasn't. He kept saying, "Okay, let's do it." And then, and then pretty soon we got to talk to my lawyer. Six months later, he called to, you know, um, what about the book? And I, you know, go back to the publisher. Yeah, sure. Okay, but you got to. <laughs> and uh, his wife at the time, Liz, uh, told me that uh, I really like the idea of writing a book. Uh-huh. But when he died, I, I wrote a magazine piece in Chicago Magazine sure. about the frustration and about the Ernie who I come to know who was different from the caricature that he promoted. And next thing you know, I was writing a book. Yeah. And it was a great. It was great fun. I was just. I was talking to Jeff Sando, Ron Sando's son, who's out here, and he was talking about um, about his memories of, of Ernie and his dad and and things like that. And it, it brought that to me all over again, immersing myself in the world of the Cubs of that era and uh, of also of Ernie's earlier days growing up in a poor, segregated part of Dallas and all that I had learned about uh, the time and his family and yeah. uh, uh, what it was like, you know. Rick Ernie didn't talk, really have a conversation with a white man until he went into the army. I know, I know, I remember. It was yeah, learning, learning all that. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you now. Back to your, back to this fabulous book here, and you can just go, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the 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 upsides of the internet is you can just google the name ron rapaport r-a-p-o-p-o-r-t and see all of his books uh this could it be argued persuasively ron rapaport that that ring lardner wrote the first and it's not really a novel but you know me as a series of of letters home from a pitcher on the road uh can that be considered the first baseball novel? Yeah, it's the first, well, it's certainly the first novel to use baseball as a literary subject. Yeah. And there are those who will tell you that it's still the best. I mean, you know, a lot of great writers have taken their hand up in Alamo, Philip Roth, and Mark Harris. And, sure, uh, sure. And, 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 and you know, Robert Coover and others. And, 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 and they're all really interesting. But to read You Know Me Al again, you realize what he what he has done here. Yeah, he's, he's not. It's not only vastly entertaining, but it's incredibly uh, 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 important in terms of showing what can be done. And I think I think everybody who follows uh, writing baseball fiction is sort of wants to go on writing baseball fiction. You sort of have to start with 
I don't think there's. I don't think, and you you really do punctuate that that uh, that opinion with the, with this book because I found it. I was like, okay, I'll read a few of these uh, these old ancient stories, and I I had a hard time putting the book down. I got to tell you, until I had finished them, I, he uh, he was, and does, you know what's interesting is. It's, sometimes it's hard to tell where when journalism leads off and the stories begin. You can see parallels. Sure. You can see things that will later become part of the stories or, or, or vice versa. Because Ring was writing the fiction very early in his days at the Tribune. Yeah. And then yeah. later he continues the journalism. So the stories have been written, and now you see parallels in the, in the stories to what was the, or in the journalism yeah you must be terribly terribly pleased uh with this and pleased how's his family he had a very interesting family his son was you know ring lardner jr was one blacklisted and then won a couple academy awards i mean it just it's a it's it's a great you know what it is ron rapaport it's just a great american story i feel well, I agree. And his other son, John Lardner, became a great sports writer. Right. In his own right. Wrote for Newsweek for many years. Uh, and his, uh, his grandson, Jim, is writing uh, a lot of articles. Sometimes they show up in the New Yorker online about um, ecology, that kind of thing. And um, Susan, I'm still in touch with her. Mm. She worked for the New Yorker for a long time. So it's a very, uh, it's a very chosen li- literate family. Well, I'd like you, if you could, to hold on while we get uh, your old pal Rick Tallenders in Florida doing something in Florida. I don't know what he's doing in Florida, but I would love the two of you. I would love to have the two of you say hello uh, in a couple minutes if you can hang on. Wonderful. Thanks, Ron. We'll be back in a couple minutes. It is not my uh, job as uh, the host of this uh, fine After Hours radio show to play matchmaker, but I just wanted to take the opportunity for two old pals to say hello to one another. Ron Rappaport, you've just been listening to talk about his fabulous book, Frank Chance's Diamond, the Baseball Journalism of Ring Lardner. And on the other coast, uh, Ron is in California, and on the other coast is Rick Tellender, who's going to talk until 6.30 about his new book, A Sweet Dreams, Poems and Paintings, for the child to bed. Okay, you old friends, say hello to one another. Hello, Rick. <laughs> hey, Ralph. <laughs> How are you? You there, bud? Not to be in Chicago, either one of you. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, I was looking at something. You were a columnist for the Sun Times for over twenty years. I've now been there. Let me think. Twenty-eight years. We've been there for a half a century, and I don't think we overlapped for a day. So, oh my, um, my, that's that's either but, amazing or terrifying or something. But, but I think hear from me, Rap. Yeah, I think you two guys, you two guys, are sort of following the footsteps of Ring Lardner because you both are wonderfully prolific, and you write for the joy and love of writing. And uh, one day, Ron, when you get to town, when you come up here, and, and who would come here in uh, February? But uh, next time you're up here, we will we will gather at some uh, some place where journalists used to gather and uh, share memories. I'm just glad you guys got to say. Still left. Pardon me. Are, 
Are those places still left? Any of them? Uh, the Billy Goat is still there, and it, it doesn't okay, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't attract the crowd that it used to attract. But uh, Rick and I know the way, and we'll show you how to get back there, Ron. Ron, thanks a million, and good luck with the book. It's really fabulous. Thank you. It's thanks. really fabulous. Thanks for staying on to say hi to Rick. Yeah, you <laughs>